Hi, it's Michael and Anthony here presenting Small Business Banter. A healthy micro and small business sector means a successful economy and a more vibrant society. Small Business Banter is about helping regional business owners better prepare for the current challenges, but also for the next stage of business success. I'm Michael Kerr, founder of Kerr Capital, advisors to business owners. Each week, with Anthony Turner from the Small Business Mentoring Service, we'll interview a different small business expert or a fellow business owner and get them to share their best tips and insights for you, the listeners. Small Business Banter is brought to you from the studios of 104.7 Gippsland FM and is heard across Australia on the Community Radio Network. Thanks also to our supporters, Kerr Capital and the Small Business Mentoring Service. Okay, so welcome to another edition of Small Business Banter Radio. Um, very pleased to be joined today by Louise Brockman, who I've known for a, a while now. Um, she's founder and CEO of the Advisory Board Centre, and we'll get her to tell us about her extensive business background and the Advisory Board Centre. But welcome in, Louise. Thank you, Michael. And welcome in my co-host from the Small Business Mentoring Service, Anthony Turner. Hi, Michael, and thanks again for having me on board. Great to have you both in. Um, looking forward to this chat, Louise. So just to set the scene, can you give us, um, you, you've built a, a success, a very successful international uh, business uh, advisory business and, and, and the Global Advisory Board Centre, which is your current business. Um, can you give us a little bit on, on, on your background and, and your current business? Uh, thanks, Michael. I guess um, um, I was brought up in small business and regional areas. Um, I started my first business when I was 19 years old. And um, my parents had small businesses for many years and it was a big adventure for us as a family when they started a new business. We would all just, you know, go, well, that's great. We'll do something new and fresh. And uh, and I guess it was in my blood from early on. And uh, my first business was a restaurant in far north Queensland uh, in beautiful Mission Beach, which I think is being hit by a cyclone at the moment. But uh, uh, we, we lost everything as a family um, uh, when a cyclone um, hit and I couldn't afford to go to university and I couldn't get a job. So I thought, well, I know how to run a business, so I'm going to do that. Uh, and uh, I worked in corporate uh, for a period of time, but I really missed being in business. And I um, started my last business uh, back in 2000 and I wanted to really grow it. It was a professional services business. Uh, it was helping SMEs with their outsourced human resources and uh, built a software package around that. But when I was really wanting to grow it, I, I thought I need to really make sure I'm very uh, cautious and deliberate in the decisions I make about what's next because I've got this really wonderful opportunity to grow. But I was second-guessing the decisions that I made. <clears throat> and the reason why I was second-guessing the decisions is a year before I, I developed a software package and launched it into the market and I misjudged the, the time it took to launch something in the market. And I ended up having to sell everything that I owned to keep the business going. So a year later, uh, when I had the opportunity to grow that business, I thought, oh, I don't want to be back in that space again. If I want to grow this business, I want to be confident um, and I, I don't want to mess it up and put myself at risk. 
So I put together an advisory board for my business, didn't really know what it was, but I knew I needed external influence to, to, to make sure if I make a decision, is it a good one? I don't know. I wanted to road test it with other people. And that's when it changed my life, uh, Michael. Um, we ended up growing that business to 135 offices in eight countries in five years. And wow. when I sold that business, and a lot of those 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 offices were in regional areas too. Um, and so when I sold that business, I just felt so grateful for what the advisory board had done for me that I spent five years researching, testing and validating the advisory board sector globally. Um, and then that laid the foundations to what we are today. It's a it's a hell of a story. You've lived and breathed small business, and not only the the highs, but also you know the the lows. You know, from at a family level and a personal level, you put everything on the line. So, um, it's certainly a, a great foundation for building this current business. So to um, to, to be open and willing to seek advice, um, we on this you know program, we we're encouraging people into business. We're encouraging people in business to 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 get a better outcome from their business, whatever that might be. And we often talk about communication being critical. Uh, but what can you just talk about where you see there's the hierarchies of support for business owners that um, will suit, you know, some, uh, we have our co-sponsor small business mentoring service at, you know, at the low cost, you know, um, to free level. Um, but where, where do you see, you know, the hierarchy of different kinds of mentoring and support business owners can access? Uh, it's it's a really good question, and and we've we've done a lot of research around uh, where and why businesses um, at every stage of their journey access advice. Um, the different levels of advice, I think, and one is not more important than the other, um, or better than the other. It's just saying what is the right one that's fit for purpose for the situation that you're in at that period of time. <clears throat> so. Um, this, that this way is, you know, I, I live and breathe advisory boards, Michael, and I'm probably the most <laughs> uh, 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 biased person with regards to advisory boards, but you do know where the boundaries are when, when it's appropriate and when it's not. Um, but if we look at the, the market itself about where businesses um, access their advice, it really um, goes from the informal level through to the most formal. If you look at the informal level of getting advice, it starts Parts from family and friends, people who know you and love you and want the best for, uh, from you and, and, and for you, and they've been pro- providing advice uh, to you since the day you were born, <laughs> whether you want it or not. Uh, but it's it's uh, it's very unprompted advice. That's right. But it's very supportive, and they want the best for you personally. Um, so that's what we call support. Then you get um, uh, uh, peers in business. So you get another business owner that they you then you know connecting with each other. And it's a peer-to-peer relationship. It's extremely informal, but really supportive. Um, we've done a lot of work up in the Mackay region. And when I was talking to some business owners up there about uh, peers in business and how important it is, they said it's not peers in business, it's peers in business. So it's a peer-to-peer relationship. <laughs> and I really love that because it is that level of informality, but the really important mutual support. Then you get business network groups and informal advisory boards, business network groups like you might go to a chamber of commerce, you might go to a business group where it's um, you, you swap opportunities, you, you look for um, immediate sort of um, uh, feedback to each other and that's, that's really important and I think important in the socialisation of, of business owners where people say it's lonely in business, it's important to get out out of our own bubble of saying this is just about me to then socialise with other people that are in a similar situation. 
informal advisory boards is where the market has been in the past, not so much now where a business owner will chair their own advisory board, put on beer and pizza maybe, their local accountant, their local lawyer, maybe another business owner, and do it informally. No one's paid, uh, but generally they last for about six months and they kind of fizzle out over a period of time. Um, then you have the, uh, the one-on-one relationships like a business coach, a mentor, a consultant, or someone who's a specialist like an accountant or lawyer, where there's um, that one-to-one relationship. It may be paid, it may be unpaid, uh, but this is this is when I think business owners really start to get targeted support and it's very helpful um, for a period of time. Uh, I think ethics really play a part in when you're asking for someone to mentor you and you don't pay them. Be really careful about the way that you manage that relationship and don't take it for granted as a business owner. Um, so we're expecting someone to provide all their advice and support and not pay them. There's an ethics issue at some point um, if you're benefiting from that. Um, uh, so we can talk about that later if you like. But um, business owners uh, sometimes have, um, like me, unrealistic expectations of one person to have the answer for everything about their business. And I think we all need to be careful as mentors and as advisors to be really careful about where those boundaries are of when should be providing advice and when we should stop when it starts getting outside of our area of expertise or knowledge. Then the next level of formalisation is a formal advisory board where there's a there's a chair, there's external advisors, uh, there's a charter, so everyone's focused on, on some critical fo- um, aspects to what's important to the business and they're measuring impact. The advisory boards meet four to six times a year. And then the most formal level of engagement is governance boards where you have a full board of directors, it's legally binding, um, and that is um, um, it's a serious undertaking because directors become personally liable and could go to jail for the decisions they made, but it's also binding on the business. If you've got a board of directors that make decisions, that that business then implements on those decisions. So it's really quite a large spectrum of where you get advice. Yeah, absolutely. So, Louise, um, how... How would you recommend that somebody say, look, I'm a, a business owner and wherever I'm located and everything else, and I'm sort of looking at some sort of, you know, stages of growth for my business. How, how would I go about, you know, effectively getting together an advisory board and what, what are the things that I should be looking for? Uh, it's a good question, Anthony, because when people are considering an advisory board, they sometimes jump straight to the who component. Who do I know? Um, and it may not necessarily be the right approach. There's, there's a bit of homework to do beforehand. One of the processes that I go through, and it'd be good to hear what you do from the mentoring aspect too, is that when a business says, I know I need something, I don't know what it is, and then I don't know who, we help them to focus on what are the top three priorities for your business in the next 18 months? Right? What are the key areas that you really need to focus on? And when you work on what are the things things that really matter, not everything, but just the key things that are going to really drive whatever their what's next is, whether it's to to build out of being a startup to a scale-up, whether it's about a business that wants to grow or it needs to change or it needs to exit. Having that line of sight of what is my what's next and getting clarity around the top priorities around that is a really great starting point. If um, the technique that I use is looking at those top three priorities and then work out what is the right structure that's going to work for you to be able to achieve that. Is it that I need a mentor, um, or do I need, um, or do I need uh, an advisory board, um, a type structure that would help me get through that? Um, and then it's quite uh, it's quite a process, isn't it? 
it's quite a process even just to get to that stage where you you, you might be as an owner comfortable that this is the right sort of counsel I need. And yeah. but you no doubt you work closely with them. Just to um and I'll just let everyone know that on today's edition of Small Business Banter, we are chatting with Louise Brockman from who's CEO and founder of the Global Advisory Centre. Um Louise, what what are some of the the businesses and and types of owners that are that you've working with um, through your organisation that are taking advantage of an advisory board and, and and what are some of the outcomes you're seeing for those owners and those businesses? Yeah, uh, there are different stages. So you have the, um, you have the scale-ups through to $1.5 million in turnover where they will generally start with an advisory board of one, like a mentor um, in the space that you work in, Anthony. And then scale up into an advisory board structure over time as they as they start to build momentum. The 1.5 to 10 million dollar turnover businesses use advisory boards a lot, and that's really starting to build disciplines inside their business um, and fill the knowledge gaps inside as well. Generally, it takes about three months to establish an advisory board, um, and then and then, uh, and then the businesses over 10 million to 100 million they go through different stages, um, but uh, they're always they're, they're always looking at a particular issue um, or opportunity to be able to focus on. They may even have a couple of boards potentially when they've got different types of problems. Yeah, yeah. That, that's absolutely the rise at the moment, Michael. Mm. You get more of business advisory board, but project-based advisory boards is absolutely on trend at the moment. One of the key things you just touched on there, uh, Louise, is the fact that, you know, Often these advisors and everything else really should be about filling um, knowledge or skills gaps um, in terms of how you're going to develop and grow the businesses. Um, and I think also too, um, and please correct me if I'm wrong, I, I think it's typically uh, to do so more on a strategic rather than an operational level. That's right. Um, and that's where knowing where the boundaries are, um, ethical boundaries between roles, so you don't create issues around um, duplicating your management um, uh, disciplines, but also not becoming a shadow director as well. Um, we say that advisory boards generally focus at context, not content. Um, as soon as it moves into content, you're actually diminishing the value of the voices that are sitting around the table, the people you've got access to. So, with an, an what's a typical advisory board? Could it, could it be um, you know two, two, three, four people? Yeah, the most common. There are many ways. It's not regulated or legislated, so it yeah. can take a lot of different forms. But the most common structure is there's an independent certified chair that establishes the advisory board. It takes about three months to do that. Um, and then there's two internal representatives, the business owners. It could be business partners. could be an owner and investor. could be an owner with, their, with their, their key person inside their business. And then two external advisors. Um, so that's the most common approach is having five people around the table. could be more. It could be less. It just really depends. The smaller the business, the more agile it can be, uh, become. So a pop-up advisory board is a very popular um, structure for a small business where they'll have a chair that works as a mentor on a monthly basis and then they bring advisors as needed um, to the boardroom table. That's very popular and it's very effective as well. Yeah, so I, look, I imagine, you know, there's, I do a lot of a, a lot of work with, you know, owners um, coming up to the, the end of the cycle of owning a business, but, you know, they they're, they're not a. They, they, it takes a while for them to to build trust or, or to learn to trust um, their advisors. And I think there's you know, there's a really big opportunity. There's an opportunity missed because 
uh, owners, um, you know, very stoic and, and, you know, they've built the business and, you know, they kind of want to do it all themselves often. And that's, you know, it's admirable, but there's a point where it becomes uh, counterproductive. Um, but so how, how do you, how do you start to sh- uh, shape these owners to, to actually see the value of external counsel and, and how do you show them how to trust, you know, pick the right kind of advisory board members? Mm, it, it's an important question because trust is a really hard thing. You've got to, you've got to earn it. You can't win. Um, and if, if a business owner doesn't know someone, how do they build that trust? And that was a that was a, a an issue that we had to address early on in the piece, um, with regards to how do businesses access people that they don't know. In the advisory board centre, we we address it in a way where um, it's problematic where everyone wants to be an advisor or a mentor to somebody else, and a lot of people shouldn't. So what is what is the, the the foundation and the the barrier to entry for people um, doing this? In the advisory board centre model, we decided to take a quality perspective to our advisory board community. So as an example, when people approach us to join our, our advisory board community, we select less than 10% of those that apply. Um, and then from that, when businesses come to us in our free service to be able to talk about what is my need um, and what are my challenges, uh, what's my structure, and then profiling what kind of background is going to be the best background and meet that that need for that priority for that business, not just because I know them. Um, and when they, yeah. they are able to then connect with these people, you've got escalated trust because they've all earned the right to be there. Um, the other thing too, I think, Michael, is really important is independence. The advisory board centre, what was really important in our establishment phase was to make sure that we don't charge the business sector for the work that we do in, in the connecting piece, but also we don't take percentage fees, rebates or any kickbacks out of any arrangement, but also we don't filter people in or out. The business owner has the right to choose and not choose who they want and what's right for their business. I think business owners, though, need to step up and do better due diligence with regards to the way that they're evaluating mm. their advisors. Um, make sure you do your homework. Um, it's, it's true of any professional relationship, you know, for your business. You need to to choose well, and it's not they're not all commodity uh, providers. I mean. No, and and a lot of advisors aren't consultants. They're not there to consult. They they're not a gun for hire. Um, so if you want to tap into some of the finest minds um, that are going to make a difference for you, take the time and select well. Yeah. Touching on a couple of interesting points in there, and I think um, one of the things of the work that I've done, Louise, and a lot in regional communities and everything else, I find that there is a couple of key issues that I see. Oftentimes, you've got the people who, um, in particularly in regional communities, that are on every board or you know, committee and things that are around them, um, and you know, oftentimes a lot of those people are, are are untrained in any, and even though they've got experience, they're untrained in the sort of the truth true requirements of boards and or committees and or, you know, whether that's advisory or, you know, statutory type boards and things like that. What sort of advice would you give to our regional listeners, because that's our primary audience, about how to select those sorts of people and how not to fall into the trap of, oh, we've got a vacancy and we need to fill it? Yeah. So, So the first component on that one, Anthony, is being real crystal clear about your priorities. What do you want? What what does your business need? And what do you need personally, um, and then choose the structure that best fits 
the nature of the business, whether it's a mentoring relationship or an advisory board relationship. Be really clear about an expression of interest. Um, put, put an expression of interest out to your own immediate networks and send it out to the networks that you don't know. And then uh, go through a selection process um, and, and then uh, interview them around the same time so you're consistent in the way that you're doing that. Um, so create a very simple inter- interview guide, very simple questions about the things that matter and then then look for the way that they are really genuinely interested in your business. It's not a job interview. You want them to be really um, curious about your business and about you and wanting to support you. So you've got to look for those kind of uh, uh, clues. The, the other component to that is look for people that have got the ongoing development. Um, so look for credentials like the chair certification, approved advisors, people that have invested and continue to invest in their in their uh, professional development because any advisor or mentor right now needs to be focusing on the future, not just what we've done in the past. That's that, that's going to potentially be irrelevant for the future. We need future thinkers supporting business owners, whatever stage they're in, to be focusing on the what's next. Yeah, very good point. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, and it's so hard, you know, that range under 1.5 million, probably up to you know, even two, three, five million, you can often have completely owner-centric businesses and they are running hard, sometimes quite successful, Some, you know, often moderately successful, And um, but they they really do find it terribly hard to to extract themselves out of the day-to-day to, to, you know, to see the opportunities and and to be able to manage them, you know, better and, and draw on other people to um, you know, to, to help them, but you know, it's that, it's that trusting. So I, I love, I love the work you're doing and, and, and you, you're really setting high standards, uh, for the industry. If you like, you're, you you know, you're leading the industry to say, well, when not anybody can be an advisory board member and that's, um, you know, you leave it to the, the owners to choose, but you're putting in place some really high standards. Um, so outside of the, those turnover, Groupings. If if a if a business doesn't quite feel ready for an advisory board, or or, or they want a, a more of a pathway, what other uh, what other ways would you suggest they start to ready themselves to you know to take counsel? Is it things like the the, the mentoring service, you know, or is it the the informal stuff? You know, is there a pathway? I think um, there are several pathways. Uh, Again, getting clarity around what you're looking for and then research what the options are. Um, and then look for what your budget is, whether it's a, whether it's a zero budget or you've got, um, you, you allocate funds to it. Um, I'll be really clear about that. Um, the, I see the most, the three most common ways for a business to build an advisory board over time is. One, if they're, they're not ready but they know that they want to move into it um, and grow into it over time is um, is a mentoring uh, relationship for three to six months generally until they're ready. Uh, the other way is to bring on a certified chair as a mentor to have an advisory board of one and then build, that, build up that capacity in your knowledge base over a period of time versus a business that says, you know what, I'm ready. Um, and uh, and I really want to take seriously my my path to the future. They then go through a board starter process, which takes three months to do with the chair. Generally, allocate half a day a month, so it doesn't hit your cash too hard, 
and it doesn't, more importantly, doesn't hit your time too hard so you can give, uh, have enough room there to still get on with business and get things done. But do, you're, um, how many business owners do you think are in that sort of stage of thinking they need an advisory board, uh, short-term or long-term? Is there particular characteristics that, that some owners have that lead, lend themselves to being an advisory board? You know, board type business, or are they, or you think there's a lot more that just need to have the benefits explained? Yeah, uh, t- traditionally, it's any business that's ambitious for what's next, the, the future. So, mm. 75% of businesses are having advisory boards because they want to grow. That's changing at the moment, though, Michael. So, the rise of project based advisory boards, which could be an advisory board for only 90 days, is to navigate a decision. It could be around response to COVID climate change, right. corporate social responsibility, and changing consumer behaviour. That's a big one at the moment. Mm. So project-based advisory boards is a, is, a, is, a, is a good option for that. Yeah, so yeah, it's, it's, it, it, we're bringing it back to make it accessible and, and, and short-term if needed or, or project-based or outcome-based. And, mm. um, yeah, but I think there's been a, you know, I think most people are aware of, you know, public company boards and, you know, and more structured boards and, and it seemed like such a long way away from, you know, from a, a typical small business. So, the, you know, the work you're doing uh, is, is, is highly valuable and unfortunately we, um, we do need to wrap up today's discussion, Louise, but thank you so much. Uh, it was an excellent insight to, you know, to the range of um, ways that a, an owner can engage with external counsel to you know to really get a bit of a feel for it. So, uh, as well as telling us what you do at the Global Advisory Board Centre. So, um, just wanted to say thank you very much. What, what's the, the the website that potential advisory board members or indeed businesses could um, could look at to uh, get some more information? Mm, advisoryboardcentre.com is the website. You can connect in with me on LinkedIn if anyone wants to do that. Um, and we've got a new state of the market report being released in May as well. So the growth of this sector has been phenomenal in the last two years. So keep an eye out for that research. Well, we, that's great. Uh, we, we'll put we'll post that to the show notes and maybe even get you back later in the year to to talk some more about that because it's relevant to every business that I've ever worked with. Um, the, those that aspire to do more and, and different and better. So, Louise, thanks again for your time today. Really appreciate it. Go well. Thank you. So that's all for today's episode of Small Business Banter. Anthony and I continue to be inspired by bringing you small business experts and other small business owners and hearing their stories. For any of the links, resources or information we've talked about on the show today or to contact Anthony or myself, please head over to smallbusinessbanter.com or you can find us on both Facebook and Instagram. Anthony and I would love you to tune in at the same time next week for another episode of Small Business Banter.